Okay. Hey guys, Dr. Childs here. Uh, today we have a really uh, important and special guest, and that is Dr. Jeff Welchel. So Dr. Jeff Welchel is an MD practicing in Amarillo, Texas. He is trained in family medicine, where he practiced in conventional medicine for 21 and a half years. So he finally has seen the light, and he is now practicing functional medicine, uh, where he specializes in thyroid management, bioidentical hormone management, and he uses BioTE pellets as well. So Jeff is a good friend of mine and probably one of the few people that I would trust to treat my family members. So I'm really glad to have him on the show. So Jeff, welcome. Thank you very much. It's good to be here. Awesome. Good. So we're going to have a good conversation here. We'll be talking about thyroid. We'll be talking about your personal journey. We'll be talking about hormone management and so on. So what I'd like to do though, to get started is if you could just sort of give us a little bit of background on you, um, tell us a little bit about how you went from the conventional side of things to functional medicine. Cause I imagine, you know, your own personal story, perhaps your own health journey kind of led you in that direction. So could you, could you expand a little bit on that for us? Absolutely. And that's typically the case for most functional doctors. It seems like so they have a personal health journey. So I sure. uh, grew up, always wanted to be a doctor. It's been a dream of my life the whole time. I went to medical school. There was not one particular field that enamored me more than the others. And so I decided family practice, you know, you're the jack of all trades, master mm -hmm. of none. Mm -hmm. So I, I chose that as my, uh, my field of choice. And so I practiced in Amarillo in a great practice uh, for about... 18 years, well, no, it's probably not, less than that, probably 10 years into it, I contracted a parasite, mm -hmm. I assume from a patient. I still don't know where or how, but I got a Giardia infection in my gut and mm -hmm. uh, took a round of antibiotics, got a little better, but not completely, took another round of antibiotics, uh, got better for a while, then it flared up again, I tested positive again, took another round of antibiotics. Well, what that ended up doing is destroying my life as I knew it. And I know that sounds strange, but at the time I couldn't understand it. I went from a normal gut function person feeling good to constantly nauseated, constantly cramping, going to the bathroom 20 to 30 times a day, including wow. at night. I would get up four or five times uh, at night to go to the bathroom. And uh, the only thing that I could eat that didn't upset my stomach was starches or simple carbs like crackers and potatoes and all of the things that now we know just cause you to put on weight. And so I gained about 40 pounds oh, wow. and uh, was pretty miserable, had lots of anxiety, lots of depression type symptoms, but it's almost the story of uh, putting the frog in the water and then they slowly turn up the water and the frog never jumps out because he doesn't sense the temperature change until they boil to death. Well, that's mm -hmm. kind of how I was with my gut is that's all that I knew at that point. So I didn't know what else to do. So I saw two different, very highly respected gastroenterologists. They scoped me everywhere, did every test known to man, including capsule endoscopy, where they take a video of my gut, found a little bit of swelling and inflammation, but no ulcerations, anything like that. So they put me on several medicines that would help for a little while, but then my symptoms would return. Uh, and eventually one of them said, well, you probably have a type of Crohn's disease, although it doesn't look like it on the biopsies. So they said, this is your life. And uh, nice. well, around that time, um, I had a nurse that uh, was very much in the functional integrative mindset. And she cornered me in my office and said, um, okay, enough is enough. You need to go see this integrative doctor friend of mine uh, in a nearby city. And so I reluctantly agreed. So I went to that appointment with my wife and I fully expected him to twirl crystals over me or 
or poke me with voodoo dolls or something going on like that. But yeah, for sure. it made total sense. This was just a good country boy that very rightly now I understand said, look, you destroyed your gut bacteria. Right. You had terrible gut dysbiosis and your diet's making it worse. So he put me on several, you know, good supplements, put me on a very strict keto-ish type diet. Mm -hmm. And in about 30 days, I was 50% better. Oh, wow. And, uh, and in about three months, I was 90% better. And by six months, I was a 99% better. That's amazing. And so, yeah, great story. Now, I'm not well, don't get me wrong. I still cheat and flare sure. myself up. But, uh, but now I at least feel like I have control over my body, whereas before I was just at the mercy of, of uh, my symptoms. And so that opened my eyes where I'm going, wow, that really worked. Uh, and it makes sense to me. So what if there's other aspects of medicine that the same is true to where I've just learned to do a pill for every ill and just prescribe prescription medicines without talking about diet and supplements and so many of these other things. And so that's when I started the journey. I went to a few conferences on functional and integrative medicine and to be blunt, it blew my mind. I couldn't believe it made all sense finally for the first time in my life. I rather than just learning menu-based medicine where, okay, if they have this symptom, they treat them with this. Right. I actually understood, okay, this is what's going on and this is why we make these corrections. Uh, and so it's basically like I went to medical school all over again. For sure. Yeah. And started going, read, read dozens of books, went to tons, every conference that I could afford or have time for, and basically had to relearn everything that, that I had known for 10 or 15 years of medicine. And so then I got, that took about a five-year process from start to the end of that. And then I basically became the proverbial square peg in a round hole. I was mm -hmm. still in volume medicine, still in a situation where patients, not just my partners, but the patients expected, they went in with an agenda of, look, I need these meds. This is what helps me. And I would sit there going, well, this is not the truth of what we need. We need to be talking about diet and lifestyle modifications and stress management and all these other things. But I also realized I was trying to do that in a 10 or 15 minute time slot, which just was not practical. And so um, at that point, I loved the group I was with, but they were frustrated with me. I was frustrated with them and didn't like what I was doing. And so that's when I left to do more of the, the uh, not traditional, but more of the functional or integrative medicine. Okay, so the functional medicine, and that's kind of where you're at now. You know, yeah, and I've really through that I've more even gone more towards the hormonal side yeah. of things. You know, I had for years I would see particularly, and I'm being stereotypical here, but typically I would see a 40 to 55 year old woman that was absolutely miserable, mm -hmm. that couldn't sleep, were acting depressed. Uh, hot flashes, night sweats, no libido, all of, couldn't lose weight, all of these typical symptoms. And I knew something was wrong. But my conventional training told me, okay, check these few things and they're normal. So yeah. they must be depressed or they must have fibromyalgia or some other condition. But I, in fact, I told my wife, she reminded me just the other day that probably eight years ago in my practice, I'm going, we're missing something. And if we ever figure it out, we're going to really start helping people. Yeah. And, uh, well, so. that no, that that's really good, and I, I think that that's definitely true. There are, 
when it comes to conventional medicine, which is really kind of the medicine that you were practicing previously, not now, obviously, Correct. Um, Correct. but that conventional sort of mindset really looks for big, big problems, but it misses this gray area that's in between. You know, exactly. it's like when you look at nutrient deficiencies, it's like, do you have a gross, you know, super low vitamin B12 that level that's causing all sorts of, you know, potentially even life-threatening conditions? And if the answer is no, then your B12 is fine, right? That, that's their mindset. It's like, Absolutely. there's nothing in between. There's no shades of gray. So yeah. I totally respect that. But what I'd like to do, um, Jeff, is have you talk about, you know, your experience, because I know you, um, and we're going to talk about your approach to treating thyroid patients and hormone management and so on. But I know you as somebody who is treating thyroid patients with T3 thyroid medication, natural desiccated thyroid, sustained yeah. release T3, and so on. And so what I want to know, though, is because you lived in that world for so long, you probably have tons of friends, you probably had tons of acquaintances who, who probably looked at you like they watched you go through this transformation. They're like, what happened to this guy? You know, what was your, how were you received in that conventional community as you changed your practicing style? What, what, how did that look like to you uh, or for you, I should say? For the most part, it didn't go well. <laughs> I could imagine. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, the way I would describe it is if you take a hundred experts of anything and you present to those a hundred experts, a completely new or different way of doing what they do, mm -hmm. 90 to 95% are immediately going to discount it. For sure, and yeah. that can be because, uh, you know, what that's what they've done has always worked. They don't right. see the point of that, or, or you're just crazy. Or the other thing would be, honestly, I've gone to school and and practiced for this long. I don't want to have to learn a new way of doing something. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I would say at best, people would be indifferent to me. And there were times that uh, I had endocrinologists in town, or even uh, some primary care doctors that would be fairly antagonistic and even toxic towards me and uh which when i would lay down with them and, or like when i would lay the facts <laughs> down with them that's yeah. what he said yeah. uh then they couldn't disprove what i was saying right and uh, if you just even one thing they never took into account let's just take thyroid for example or hormones is what does the patient say do they feel better or not and uh, uh i had one in endocrinologist in particular that told a patient that I was an idiot and for what I was doing. And, uh, and then she said, well, the fact that I feel better in a month with what Dr. Welch has done versus what I've done in 10 years with you tells me who the idiot is. And she stormed out of the room. Oh, and, wow. Uh, I'm like, no, 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 don't do that. <laughs> yeah. My goal is not to make enemies right. or to make people choose sides. I mean, yeah. docs have a calling for sure. and they really, really want to help people. Mm -hmm. Uh, my argument, and I think yours too, uh, is not the doctors, it's more the medical system. Yes. You know, the studies have shown that by the time something is found in research, it takes an average of 17 years before it converts into common use. And mm -hmm. that's what you and I are fighting. I mean, we're right. still seeing people that are managing things like what was done in the 1970s and the 1980s. And we just know so much more now. Yeah. Yeah, no, that that's definitely true. And uh, uh, it's frustrating, though, from the perspective of the patient, right? Because the patient sees what we're talking about. And they know, you know, they hear a story like that. They hear a story about somebody who, who was struggling for 10 years and gets, you know, a slight change or a slight, slight tweak to their medication and feels a ton better. And so from their perspective, it's really frustrating. And I've seen from, from, from them, from some patients, and I, I want to bring this up and kind of get your thoughts on it, is I see this 
this sort of mentality where certain patients, they kind of look to doctors because and kind of view them as the enemy. And they'll say things like, you know, the doctor's only prescribing levothyroxine because they're getting paid or, you know, because they're doing it for, on behalf of the pharmaceutical company or whatever it is. And, you know, I really don't see that to be the case. And I'd like to hear your thoughts on that as well. But I don't, it doesn't appear to me that there's anything like that going on. In fact, I've never seen that. And it's a generic medication, so there's not much money to be made there anyway. Um, but, you know, what do you see uh, on your end? Like, is your perspective that most doctors do really want to help thyroid patients? They're just going about it the wrong way. You know, what, what do you think about that? No, I, I don't think that they have ulterior motives at all. Mm -hmm. I think they want their patients to feel better. Mm -hmm. They're doing what they were trained to do. Yeah. And when that stops working, they don't really know what the next step should be. And, uh, and, and let's be honest, most physicians, I myself in my practice, I received a lot of my information on how I manage my practice through conferences and through pharmaceutical reps and yep. through those type of avenues. Very little of it was, was me going on a venture to find out, okay, I'm going to figure out what's going on with thyroid and what new treatments are out there. I depended on most of that stuff to come to me directly. So no, docs don't make more money. You know, that there used to be a time to where Yes, pharmaceutical companies could take you on trips and do all these other right. things and with the understanding that you would write more of their product, but that's not the case anymore. They are very limited with what they can offer mm -hmm. physicians. And so then it's just a matter of what they're hearing and what they're learning from that. And if that's a primary source of their information on any treatments, then that's what they stick with. And there's nobody that's representing zinc in right. the industry. So you're not going to have somebody come in and talking to you about the benefits of zinc with fighting viruses, or, and that's just one example, right. or vitamin D or what have you. And so none of those are going to have the marketing behind them that these billion dollar uh, new pharmaceuticals have. And in defense of the companies, they're trying to make money, but they're trying to do it by helping people. I just think that we're going the wrong direction in doing that. You know, yeah. God kind of knows what he's doing and he built a body that will normally repair itself. And right. if it's not, it's because it's either lacking something or it has too much of something. Mm -hmm. And that's all we're trying to do is find out what's out of balance and get that back in balance and let the body heal itself. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that's sort of the, the ethos of functional medicine, right? Um, absolutely. So what I want to do now is kind of talk a little bit about thyroid management because, um, you know, I know, I know you as somebody who now focuses a lot on thyroid management and hormone management um, and so on. So I'd like to know, how did you sort of get interested in treating thyroid patients? You know, when did you reach out to me and, and what was kind of going on in your, in your life and your practice at that point? Did you just see this group of patients as somebody who just really was suffering and needed help? Or was there something else that, you know, drew you towards that population? Well, I, I, I think a big part of it was, like I said before, of these people coming in and they were miserable mm -hmm. in my training and my knowledge at that time would only help them to a point. You know, there was a percentage of people that, that fine, you diagnose them with hypothyroidism, put them on levothyroxine and they do good. But there was a large percentage of those people that would come in and they're going, oh, I'm okay. But you know, they didn't seem like they felt better. So I knew I was missing something. And so around that time, actually, how I got to know you is a couple of my patients brought articles that you had written. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. And I started reading some of those and I'm like, yes, that's what I'm talking about. And awesome. so it completely connected with what I was learning and what I was believing. And you're a very gifted writer. And, uh, um, and so that started me on that. And then BioT, the hormone pellet therapy I was interested in, mm -hmm. they 
are pretty accurate with how they manage thyroid disease. They, you know, they don't go to the extent that you and I go on on some cases, but mm -hmm. sometimes just as simple as switching somebody from uh, T4 only medicine to natural desiccated thyroid can change their world. Absolutely. And and, uh, and that's one thing that BioT recommends. And so you start seeing a few of those patients that greatly improve, and then that stimulated me to just want to learn more and keep figuring out what else I could do to improve things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, to your point that you mentioned previously, I think even changing just from level thyroxine to tyrosine can have a huge impact on a number Absolutely. of people. So if we broke down this population of thyroid patients, we have a chunk of people that do well on T4, right? We got yep. a chunk of people who, who could do well on T4 if they had cleaner inactive ingredients. We got yep. some people who need natural desiccated thyroid. We have some people who need a combo of both, some people who need, you know, sustained release T3 and T3. There's just these huge chunks in the population of people that need various different therapies. And it's it's sort of just about putting it all together and, you know, some even an element of trial and error. And so it sounds like BioT, I think, has some sort of uh, maybe formula, maybe that's not the right word, but some way to- Yeah, they have a program that they recommend yeah. that, that probably gets another segment of that group right. that you're talking about. And uh, those people that do better with a little bit of T3 added to their T4 and mm -hmm. uh, that helped. But then there's still those other ones still that are going, okay, they're a little bit better, but I'm still not getting these labs kind of in optimal range and they're still not feeling great. I'm like, what am I missing? Mm -hmm. And uh, and so that's where I pursued, then started doing more aggressive T3 yeah. or to be blunt, there's a percentage of people that just don't respond well, even to leothyronine or cytomel. Yeah. And it's like they get too much T3 all at once. And on those doing it in a compounded form where it's slow released, mm -hmm. they can tolerate it so much better and feel better. So my, my frustration with the conventional training that I got was it's very much a one size fits all. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. You check the TSH, maybe the T4. If the TSH is high, then you've got hypothyroidism, start them on levothyroxine. If it's low, oh, they must have Graves' disease, send them to an endocrinologist. And so thyroid disease, when I first did my training, I thought, well, this is the easiest part of medicine. You know, there's yeah, very no, little thinking to do. But then you start seeing these patients back and you realize, okay, a large percentage of them are not really any better. Yeah, that cookie cutter approach is good for some people, but the majority of them, it isn't. And you know what's frustrating is that when you look at um, conventional um, doctors, I remember being in the hospital, you know, with internal medicine doctors and specialists and so on. And I would look at, you know, back in those days before I was really aware of functional medicine, you know, some of the best doctors were the one that just had the most experience with different medications because they would tweak them. Right. They'd be like, let's give you a little bit of this and a little bit of that. Right. And, you know, in this medication, we'll, we'll, we'll stack these, you know, calcium channel blockers with this, you know, antihypertensive. Right. And, and now look, we beautiful blood pressure. And I I'd be like, oh my gosh, that guy knows what he's talking about. And what's what's crazy is we're kind of doing that with thyroid medication. It's not that much different. It's like, okay, let's use this version of T4. Oh wait, you can't help handle the filler. Let's go to tyrosine. Okay, and let's now let's tweak up the T3 a little bit. It's just playing with the with the existing tools that are out there. It's nothing crazy. You right. know, they're, it's they're all just using the art of medicine. Exactly. You know, it's not everybody is the same, and I get it all the time. Well, my best friend took this medicine and oh, did yeah. great. Well. That doesn't mean anything. Even if it was your <laughs> no. sister, uh, you're going to be unique. And so that's why you, ha as, a, as a physician, you have to ask the questions. How are they feeling? Ask the pointed questions about symptoms and then just get a good rapport with the patient so that they will, you'll, you'll hear them when they describe uh, what's going on with them. And then I can't tell you how many times that they're coming in and going, yeah, I'm better. But then you bring up one or two things and like, well, how, how are you 
temperature wise. Oh, I'm cold all the time. Mm -hmm. and well, okay. Then you're not where you need to be. Yeah. That's not normal. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and, yeah. and, and they're getting, and sometimes that's in spite of what their labs show. Sometimes they will come in and their labs look like in the optimal ranges that you and I recommend for people to have. But if symptomatically or symptom wise, if they're still struggling, then we're not at their, their good point yet. Um, yeah. One, one frustration that I have, and one thing that I had to get over myself is TSH is so pounded in us to be the end-all, do-all test mm -hmm. that I, it took me some, a few years to finally accept that a large percentage of people, you have to suppress their TSH mm -hmm. in order to get their free hormone levels up to where they need to be for them to feel good. And yeah. I was terrified everybody's going to have atrial fibrillation and osteoporosis if their TSH was... 0 0.08 or something like that yeah. but but then i would get their t3 level and it's free t3 level and it's 2.5 and i'm going okay then they're not where they need to be they're not yeah. hyperthyroid right i, I remember you know now that you brought that up i do remember you sending emails you're like is this okay i think i remember you seen an email about yes. that i'm like, yeah. oh, I'm like no. on yeah no no I, I get it right because you've been told for so long that it's, it's a, you know atrial fibrillation osteoporosis and it's like you know, these are the, those are potentially big deals, you know, throwing a, a blood clot or having a stroke and, you know, right. falling and breaking a hip. Those, those are things that, you know, you don't want to do. And, but then the funny thing is, like you said, when you look at the person clinically and you're like, you know, is your heart rate elevated? Are you sweating a lot? They have zero symptoms of hyperthyroidism. Exactly. And, and, and even then, you know, it, it, so it's just, it, it is a shift and it's a big mind shift. Um, and I, I do think that's important for people who, especially thyroid patients who are listening to this, because, you know, they'll often ask, you know, like, why don't doctors do this sort of thing? You know, why, why aren't they, you know, if this is right, why aren't they doing it? And it's, it's not, it's not an easy answer. Um, I think a lot of it is just due to, you know, by the time a doctor gets out, they've been in training for so long, you know, and they, they've just have adopted the, the patterns and, and the recommendations from their superiors and, and, and their colleagues and the people around them. And if you're that guy doing the one thing that's different, it kind of puts a target on your back in a way, you know, for it better does. or worse. It does. Yeah. When everybody that you work with believes what you're doing and then you start doing something differently, then many of them feel threatened by it. And then mm -hmm. you, there is a definite peer pressure there. Yeah. Uh, sure. And then, so yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to overcome uh, on that. And so, it's it's going to be an uphill battle. I mean, I truly believe what we're doing is truth. Yeah, me too. And, and the way that it should be. And I think it will get there. I just don't want it to be 17 years down the road before we get to that point. Yeah, I'm thinking, you know, my, my estimates, maybe five to 10 years, I think we'll start seeing shifts and improvement in how thyroid patients are treated. But if you're a thyroid patient, that can't come soon enough, right? You know, I'm, I'm well, not the I've, one. Well, yeah. and I equate it to things like a bone density. You know, at first, bone densities were were pushed by the integrative or functional medicine to check for osteoporosis in the conventional uh, world kind of scoffed at it. Same way as vitamin D. I can remember even 10 years ago, if you talked about checking vitamin D levels, I, mean, I would say, people would say, so are you just one of those vitamin doctors? And I'm like, <laughs> no, but it That's crazy. makes sense. Vitamin D has to do with so many functions in the body. Right. And then if you're low in it, nothing else is going to work right. I don't know why that's controversial, but yeah, or complicated. But, uh, it's, uh, I think the, the, the worst thing we could do would be to get defiant about it and yeah. combative is if the truth will rise to the top and as more studies come out and people, if I can just get some of my conventional colleagues to try some of the therapies that I do when they see the success, that that alone is the testimony that we need. 
Yeah, I, and I agree with you. I think the patients and, and their outcomes, because if, you know, like we're saying, if the doctor really wants to help, and I do think most do, when they do see improvement in their patients, I think that'll be the sign. Um, and I, and that's kind of the case in you, right? You saw yourself get better. And Absolutely. I, pretty much, like you said in the beginning, I think most doctors, um, conventional-minded doctors who end up going into functional medicine, they have a similar story. And that was similar for me, and I think it's similar for most people. Um, what I want to do, though, is kind of shift into um, hormone imbalances. So you and I both know that, and probably the, the people who are listening to this, you, they know that the thyroid helps to control and regulate many different hormone systems in the body, including estrogen, progesterone, um, uh, leptin, insulin, cortisol, even. So, uh, and I know that you tend to focus a lot and, um, you know, in addition to thyroid management, you also help with these other hormone imbalances. So can you kind of tell me a little bit about what you're seeing among thyroid patients in terms of these other hormones? Are you seeing, um, is it always the case that somebody who has a thyroid problem has these other hormone imbalances? you know, that sort of thing. What, what do you sure. think about that? Well, the, the vast majority of the time, there is something else going on with a different hormone system. Yeah. Probably the most common one that I see would be an issue with the adrenal system because just the stress of Hashimoto's or hypothyroidism or Graves' disease is going to stress the adrenal system and cause cortisol imbalances, which then triggers insulin resistance and leptin issues and, and uh, those things. So what I typically do in my practice is I typically focus on adrenal, thyroid, insulin resistance first. And then unless they're just absolutely miserable, if they're 60 years old and postmenopausal and, and desperate need for testosterone and estrogen, progesterone, I don't necessarily jump to those first. I try to get uh, the, the cortisol system balanced and, and the thyroid system balanced. And, and don't get me wrong, I, I will still do pellets on some of those people, but not at the exclusion of the others. So very, very, very important to address all of them. So are you thinking, and I think that's sort of the way that I look at it too, is that because the thyroid regulates these, these hormone systems downstream, you know, like estrogen and progesterone, right? Yes. If, you can, if you can level out that, that one first, then you can see improvement in these ones downstream. And then you can determine, well, now do I need to add in these additional bioidentical hormones and whatnot? So is that sort oh, of the exactly. approach? Yeah. You hate to commit anybody to a lifetime treatment. Mm -hmm. And typically, you know, sometimes, you know, of cases, and I do too, that you can get the thyroid repaired. And oftentimes you can get people to reduce their meds. Uh, yeah. But that's not as much the case with testosterone and estrogen and progesterone. Right. So once the ovaries uh, or the testicles have stopped producing enough, typically you've got to replace them. And so what I try to do is, yeah, get the system in balance. And oftentimes their innate systems will kick in at least to some degree. And even if it means delaying some of those treatments for a year or two or a few, then to me, that's an advantage and worth doing rather than just starting them on all of these different treatments at once. Yeah. And I, I think that's a, a wise way to approach it. Um, and I agree with that approach, actually. So let's talk a little bit about the BioT pellets. So will you kind of give me a little bit of information? When I used to see patients, I would tend to use um, gels and even liquids sure. in um, uh, bases and things like that. So give us a little bit of insight onto the BioT pellets and why you prefer to use those over other methods. So okay. you know, kind of fill us well, in there. And, and I'm not opposed to the gels, uh, uh, especially if someone's having relatively early or mild symptoms, then the gels can be helpful. Mm -hmm. Where what I have found in my experience is they're not as potent as the pellet therapy. And so yeah. if you have somebody, you know, it, it, it's kind of an all or nothing with the gels. And, and there was even one study that showed topical absorption is impaired in up to 30% of patients. And so mm -hmm. it's hard to detect those people. And so 
if they're afraid of a pellet therapy, which is a procedure, then I will do creams. And then if they feel great, then fine, we stay on it. Uh, if it's not enough, then we'll switch to the pellets. You know, the pellets are not a new treatment. You know, it, people think that this is something that's just come out in the last decade or so, but the hormone pellet therapy was developed in the 1930s. It's been around. And uh, it was very popular at that time. And then pharmaceuticals developed Primarin and some other hormone therapies, well, all of the money in the marketing went to that. So it fell off of popularity. Same way it had another revival in the 70s and then Primpro was developed. And so that popularity fell out again. So the founder of BioT is Dr. Donovitz and he is OBGYN in the Dallas area. And he kind of had the same issue that I had that I talked about earlier to where he was seeing all of these patients that were miserable and his conventional training was only helping them to a certain point. And he's like, okay, we're missing something. And so that's where that developed. And then the Women's Health Initiative study came out in 2002. Uh, I don't know if everyone's heard of that, but that was the study that showed there was an increase heart attack, stroke, and breast cancer risk with hormone replacement therapy. Mm -hmm. So lawyers got involved, all the docs became terrified, and we started pulling everybody off of their hormone therapy. Well, the problem with that study, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, flaws with it. For one thing, everyone was treated with synthetic hormones in the study. And I think, as we'll talk here in a minute, there is a difference between bioidentical and hormone studies. And so, in fact, I think if you break down the data from that study, the majority of the breast cancer risk comes in the synthetic progesterones, what we call the progestins are the ones that I think, medroxyprogesterone acetate, the, the Provera, those type medicines are the ones that I think the study shows there's an increased breast cancer risk. Now, with that in mind, keep that in mind, we're also still talking an increase, but not as much as what the press made it out to be. Mm -hmm. uh, for example, stroke. They said there's a 41% increased risk of stroke with hormone replacement therapy. Well, they went from 29, or excuse me, 21 cases of strokes out of 10,000 patients up to 29 patients out of 10,000. So really there was eight more out of 10,000 people. So I'm not minimizing those eight people, but it's not like it went from 21 to 500 mm -hmm. out of 10,000. So it was still a, a relatively small increase. And the other thing that that study didn't take into account is patient preference. You know, how do they feel? For sure. You know, they, they didn't uh, ask them at all. And I know I've had some patients that have said, look, I don't care if this increases my risk substantially or not. I want to take this medicine because my quality of life is improved. Mm -hmm. And so I, that was kind of my stance early on before I found BioT and some of the functional medicine. Well, now with the bioidenticals, which are, they're made from yam or soy plants and it's identical to the hormones that our body makes. And so it's just cleaner. There's fewer side effects. And I think there's been some studies come out that have shown that there is a decreased incidence of of some of these things we worry about, definitely lower side effects. Dr. Donovitz himself just published a study that they studied, I believe over 6,000 women, and there was a over 35.5% decrease incidence in breast cancer in women that had subcutaneous testosterone uh, versus the control group. So I, not only do they not cause these things, I think there's data to show that it reduces the risk of some of these things. Yeah, and that's been my experience as well. When I look at the data, I actually think that, um, 
that they do tend to be protective against a lot of these things, right? Especially Alzheimer's. I would say heart disease is one of those things. I would say a reduction in, in breaking bones and things like that because of increased muscle mass um, and increased bone density. I mean, you've got a lot of potential benefits. But I think I think what ends up happening is you have a lot of confusion uh, among patients because they see these headlines and they, like you said before, they'll say they'll attach like this label that hormones are dangerous. And then it's like, okay, but then they compile in there the progestins, the progestogens, the actual, you know, progesterone US and then it gets really confusing because they kind of obfuscate what they're actually talking about intentionally, right? Because they Absolutely. can't they can't really uh, make money off of the bioidentical hormones, so they try to you know tweak them and alter them a little bit so that they can patent them and then make some money off them. But it just ends up being confusing um, for the patient. So I do tend to um, agree with you on on the benefits that they provide. Otherwise, you know, I wouldn't. But let's say that even there was a potential you know small risk, like let's say one or two percent risk of any of these things. The, the impact that they have on quality of life is so massive that I would say you should have a, you know, like you mentioned, a good discussion with your doctor and say, is it worth it in my case? Because it might be, right? It might be worth oh, it absolutely. to have your life back, to be able to exercise again or play with your kids or whatever it is that you enjoy. Go golfing. I don't know, whatever it is. And so in that case, it, it's probably worth it. But what I do want to talk about is um, switching into the, well, staying on this topic, but what type of improvement do you see in women who use the bio T pellets? You know, what type of symptoms that resolutions are they receiving? You know, that sort of thing. Like what, what has been your experience there? Well, there, there's a spectrum, uh, at the very lowest end of the spectrum, people come in going, Oh, I'm sleeping better. I feel better. I'm not having hot flesh. I'm not having night sweats all the way to the other extreme to where they're going. This changed my life. I feel 20 years younger than what I did. And I'm not guaranteeing anybody that they're going to be there. Right. That's what we, that's what we love to see. Uh, the, but yeah, as far as sleep is improved, sweating at night goes away. Hot flashes during the day typically go away. Energy. Uh, one description that I have uh, patients say is before they would get home from work and they just sat in their chair and were done the rest of the night. They had no energy to do anything else. And then all of a sudden they feel like doing other things, you know, and then there's other benefits. Obviously libido improvement helps yeah. with testosterone in particular, uh, but just the sleep and the energy overwhelming are the number one things. Mm -hmm. and, and by the way, if we're talking about side effects of these, yes, I've had some patients that have had bad outcomes with BioT. Mm -hmm. And in my experience, it's because the provider that was doing it is not checking their labs and not following them. Mm -hmm. And so if I'm trying to get someone's, say a woman's testosterone level to 100 to 200, as an example, and they are at 150, when I, when I pellet them, I'm a great. So we'll see in a few months whenever these pellets run out. Well, it's never going to drop down to the 10 or the 15 level that they were when they started. It's going to be 70 or 80 and they start having symptoms again. Mm -hmm. So they come back in and I pellet them. Well, then it may go up to 175 that time and the next time 200. So typically you have to be anticipating that and mm -hmm. checking the labs at least a couple of times a year or else you get what we call a stacking effect. Yeah, And I've seen some of those ladies come in going, I love how I feel on this, but I losing hair up here. I'm growing hair here. I'm angry. And then I check their testosterone and they're at 500. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, well, no wonder. And yeah. so typically as long as it's monitored and we're keeping the level down in the optimal ranges and anticipating that, then in my experience, side effects are pretty minimal. Uh, some people, you'll get some peach fuzz prominence, testosterone grows hair, sure. uh, but that's a, usually that's a small price to pay. But yeah. as far as the other things, unless someone is just 
very unusual in their side effects. Most people tolerate them very, very, very well. And statistically, 97% of people that get the hormone pellets come back again. Oh, that's good. So that's Those, a pretty high statistic. That's very high. Better. Yeah, so, I, I didn't know it was that high. That's actually yes, good to know. Yes. No, I appreciate you educating me on this because I didn't really use a lot of pellets. And so it's, sure. it's good to sort of hear this. Um, but we are, we are getting towards the end here. But uh, so what I'd like to do, Dr. Welchel, is kind of um, as we wrap up, if people want to get in contact with you or they're interested in uh, being treated by you, you know, where, where can they find you? Where can they get in contact with you? Well, the easiest way is to go to my website. It's www.healthyhormones.us. Okay. And I've got further contact information on there. I am open for, I primarily do thyroid management and then the bio-T hormone management. I don't do general functional medicine anymore. I'm pretty much focused on the hormone side of things, but okay. we would be happy to help them. There's also some issues with, uh, you know, state to state. Uh, I've had some people call from other states, and if I'm not licensed in their state, I probably can't manage them long term. Although if someone's willing to come to Amarillo and see me in right. my office, then I can do that. But okay. it gets a little dicey as far as the telemedicine uh, with certain states. But, uh, okay. but even if we can't help, we'd be happy to at least point them in the direction of someone in their area that might be of benefit to them. Awesome. And I appreciate that. What I'll do for anyone listening here is I'll put the link to um, that website below the healthy hormones. And so you can get to get in contact with um, Dr. Welchel there if you'd like. And Jeff, we're definitely going to have to have you on again because we didn't even get to hardly any of the things that I wanted to talk about. So no, it's amazing. We do have a yeah, lot to talk about. We have a ton to talk about. So anyway, thank you so much for coming. And uh, that's all I have for you guys. And otherwise we'll see you in the next one.